All right. Hey, Merry Christmas. I can only say that so many times of the year, so, you know, I got to do it while I can. So, hey, we're so glad everybody's here with us today. I want to say Merry Christmas to everybody who's a part of our Stone Canyon and Vertigris campus. Anybody that's with us online, good to have you with us. And uh, especially if this is your first time, we're glad to have you along. All right, and I hope you're having a wonderful Merry Christmas season already. Uh, things have been uh, uh, already Christmassy around here. Last week we had our uh, uh, Happy Birthday Jesus party for our little ones, and uh, I just I grabbed one picture last week that oh, this little girl so pre- look at that, isn't she precious? Yeah. I, I'm not even sure what her name is, but she was just precious. I had to take her picture. So anyway, uh, I think it's Aubrey. But uh, anyway. Uh, had a good time, and so uh, and today out of Vertigris, they'll be having their happy birthday Jesus party out there, and and of course our elementary uh, jingle jam today here at North Burnett. So lots of good things happening, and I hope uh, hope you're part of it, and I hope you're inviting people as well uh, to join us. All right, in this Christmas season. Last week we started our Christmas series called Joyous. Jared launched us into that series. Uh, and, and talking about the wise men, and if you uh, want to find Jesus, this was his statement, if you want to find joy, not Jesus, if you want to find joy, look for Jesus, is what he was talking about last week, and I hope you're here for that. If you missed that, be, able, be sure to catch that online, but this week we're going to be talking about this, uh, joy comes alive in a life surrendered to Jesus. It's kind of the next step. You find him, but now the next step for joy to come alive in our life, we must surrender to him. We're going to be looking at Mary. Now, C.S. Lewis, that one point, whenever he was talking about joy, he said this about joy. He said, joy must be sharply distinguished from both happiness and pleasure. Joy must be sharply distinguished from both happiness and pleasure. I think it's important because sometimes we put them on the same playing field, like they're synonymous, joy and happiness. Uh, but, but when it comes to happiness and pleasure in this life, those are fleeting, those are temporary, those, those times of happiness often are a result of something that we've done, we've accomplished in, in our life, and, and so it brings momentary Euphoria, all right, or happiness, all right. That's that's somewhat fleeting. Uh, maybe something like winning a state championship, all right, right, right. <laughs> I have to say something about that. I wasn't on stage last week, all right. Yay, Wasso Rams, state champions. And uh, yep, there's our team right there celebrating. And uh, man, I, I, I can say this. I mean, our son Jaden. I mean, he's. He's still on cloud nine. I mean, you know, he was on the team. He loves it. Um, and he doesn't get very excited about anything. So, um, so we're, we're, we're enjoying our time uh, celebrating state championship. But it's temporary. Even something so great, so awesome, woo, you know, uh, it's temporary. It, it's a story and, and, and something that they'll be able to talk to their kids about and, and be able to share for the rest of their lives, all those boys on that team and, and all the kids in school. And, and they'll, they'll be able to remember the year <laughs> when this happened and, and the moment that everything went down. We got that interception, you know, and everything. They'll remember everything. And the story will probably grow, you know, and names will change and, you know, all that good stuff. And, but the happiness and the excitement surrounding it will, is really temporary. Joy, and the joy that we have in Christ specifically, is something that is enduring, something that is sustained 
through life and through all of life's circumstances, no matter whether it be highs or lows, the joy we have in Christ is, is different than just a momentary moment of happiness. But it is something that we draw upon throughout our life. I like how somebody put it like, like this, joy can share its space with other emotions, sadness, shame, or even anger. But happiness can't do that. The joy that we find in Jesus uh, sustains us, and that's the joy that we want to come have come alive inside of us as followers of Christ, the joy that I think that we, that we will see in Mary. Now, here's the thing. We talk about this probably every year at this time. We talk about the Christmas season and the expectations that we have for the Christmas season, the, the, the joy that we want to experience this time of year with family coming together and just the good time, the joy of this, the spirit of this time of the year. That's what we desire. And sometimes we set ourselves up to have this huge expectations surrounding events or, or surrounding the people that are going to be a part of those events, but, but it doesn't always turn out the way we hope, does it? Sometimes it's this joyous time of year that should be, uh, and we hope to be, the most joyous time of the year sometimes turns out to be the most difficult time of the year. Maybe it's the first Christmas without that person that you loved that passed away earlier in the year and they won't be there this year. Maybe it's maybe it's the the gift giving didn't turn out the way you hoped it would. The kids weren't appreciative the way you hoped. Maybe it's the family dinner and the person uh, somebody who could have been there and should have been there didn't show up. They didn't come into town. The kids decided not to come home. Maybe the family time turned into the family fight. <laughs> They've been there. And it doesn't turn out the way you would hope. And those expectations are crushed. And Christmas just isn't always so joyous. Well, again, last week we talked about finding that joy in, in Jesus this week we want to talk about, and the hope is that that joy is something that transcends those circumstances that often rob us of joy. Take that joy away. We want that joy to come alive in us as followers of Christ. But how does that happen? How do we have that joy that allows us to maintain it, to, to hold on to it through those ups and downs. Well, I think we see that in Mary. A little bit of context in the story. We're going to be over in Luke chapter 1. And maybe you remember this part of the story, the early part of the story, when the, the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary. You remember that? And, and told her the good news. <laughs> hey, Mary, little teenage girl, you're going to be pregnant. <laughs> good news. And he reveals this to her, and, and she takes it in, and, and, and then it says, after, after that encounter with the angel and this news that she receives, it says, then she hurried off to her relative Elizabeth. She hurried off. 
doesn't tell us why she hurried off, how she hurried off, and, and exactly how long. Was it the next day, that day, or the next week, or maybe two or three weeks later? Whatever the case, there's all lots of speculation around what all happened in that time and why she ran off to Elizabeth. Maybe it was because the angel, whenever he was telling Mary, told her, and even your relative Elizabeth is with child in her old age, and, and whoa, another God moment. And maybe, maybe Mary made the connection and said, oh, well, I'm going to go see Elizabeth, but she's kind of in the middle of this too. And some speculation is that maybe in her small little village where Mary was living, maybe she shared her story about being pregnant by God <laughs> and wasn't quite uh, received the way she hoped, and so maybe Elizabeth would be one who would understand, but whatever the case, for some reason, she hurries off to Elizabeth. And maybe you can imagine Mary, as she's on this trip, could be as great of a hundred, as, as 100 miles away, on this trip, she's processing and thinking about everything that she had learned about God in the history of God and her people and all the ways he had moved and worked in the midst of her people, leading her people. And when she comes to Elizabeth's door, these two women who've, who've had this incredible God encounter meet at the door, and Elizabeth can't contain herself. Maybe, maybe Mary gave the customary shalom, peace upon your home type of a greeting, but Elizabeth can't control herself, and she just begins to speak. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Many believe that's a moment of prophetic speech that Elizabeth had in that moment. Did she know all those things that happened in Mary's encounter with the angel and that she believed at the moment, unlike her husband Zachariah who didn't and was muted, if you remember that. But Mary believed and Elizabeth gives her praise and is astounded that she's able to be in the presence of Mary, the mother of the Savior of the world. But Mary's response is likewise exciting. She, in turn, can't seem to hold in the, the joy and the excitement that she has in this same moment. And so there in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, that's what we're going to pick up, we have what's called the Magnificat. The song of Mary. And I believe it's in this song that we can grab hold of this idea of being in a place where joy comes alive in us like it does in Mary. Let's, let's read through this together, starting in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength 
with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary cannot contain her joy, and she unleashes praise upon God by listing a bunch of his attributes, revealing just how magnificent God is. Look at verse 46 again, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, makes much of him, literally, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She can't help but to lift up praise to God because of the joy that is inside of her, what he is doing, what he has done. And every part of her being, my, when she says, my spirit rejoices, she's saying my, every part of her being, not just her mouth that everybody can hear and listen to, but even her soul that only between her and God is rejoicing in him and what he has done and what he was doing in her. And so she rejoices in this moment. She can't help it. I like how Eugene Peterson in the message version puts it. He says this. Uh, this is what Mary is saying. I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. Again, I think probably every one of us can think about moments in our lives where we were bursting with happiness or bursting with joy even because of a circumstance or an accomplishment or something. And maybe you can think through a time when you, you experienced momentary happiness graduation, a marriage, a birth of a child, a birth of a grandchild, retirement, go down the list of all the things, those, those big moments where it's like, wow, those are momentary. I believe what we see in Mary is so much more than momentary. I believe that joy was alive in her, and that's why she was able to receive the news she did with great joy what God was doing in this moment. What causes, what causes that joy to come alive in us? What causes us, what allows us to have that joy that is there through all of life's circumstances? I think we can see it in this song. I think Mary reveals it to us in, in the things that she said. A couple things real quick. Joy comes alive in us when we have a high view of God. Joy comes alive in us when we have a high view of God. Uh, it seems to me that may just be a prerequisite. If we're going to receive God and his plan for our lives with great joy, allowing that joy to come alive, it's going to start with us seeing him for who he is. That's what we see in Mary. She magnifies him. She makes much of him. Now, the, what we have, the story that we have about Mary is really, in comparison to many of the other women of faith in the Bible, really a small little story. Even other, many characters in the Bible, hers is fairly short. 
But what we have of her, the story that we have of Mary, I believe does reveal a great faith that this young teenage girl had. And so as we listen to the song, she begins to list off many of the attributes of God. And maybe, maybe again, maybe on that trip to Elizabeth's house, she had been processing all of these things, and now it's just coming out of her as she gives him praise and glorifies him. Listen to some of the attributes of God that she highlights. Number one, she begins by, by magnifying God's strength. Verse 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. Often in the Old Testament, whenever it speak about the arm of God, it was speaking about the power of God that was made evident through his, his work in the lives of his people, the Jewish people, the Israelites. And so again, here, now Mary gives praise for the strength of God, not just because what she knows happened in the past, but because of what's happening in her. The power of God has shown up. There's doing something great in her life. Have you experienced the power and strength of God in your life? She goes on to mention the holiness of God in verse 49 again. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. In, in every part of his being, God is holy. He is set apart. Holy is his name, meaning that Every part of God is set apart. He is, his ways are higher than our ways. We, we don't understand God. He's, he's that kind of a God. It kind of cracks me up in this world whenever people talk about, you know, trying to, you know, like, well, God, if God was God, he wouldn't do that. Really, you understand everything about God. No, we can't. He is holy and set apart, sinless and pure and fully and wholly good. God is holy. Have you been struck by the holiness of God? God is merciful, Luke 1.50 there, and His mercy is for those who fear Him from generation to generation. It's mercy. He holds back His punishment that we so much deserve. And, and not that He didn't necessarily hold it back, but he took our punishment and he placed it on his son, Jesus. Mercy that we've received. Have you given him praise for his mercy lately in your life? Yet at the same time, she, she gives praise for his mercy. At the same time, she gives praise for, for his judgment. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts in the thoughts of their hearts. God's judgment is upon the proud. Those with those thoughts of pride, I can do this on my own. I don't need God. Judgment comes upon them. They are scattered. God's provision, she mentions in verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. God meets the needs of others. He meets our needs, all that we need and all that we have. And then finally, she mentions God's plan through the generations, both in verse 50, from generation to generation, and verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. 
God's plan, His promise that He gave all the way back to Abraham that through Him this world will be blessed. That promise has been fulfilled and that promise continues to be for all people in all times, in all places. That's our God. Mary had this high, high view of God, and she magnified Him. She worshipped Him, and she lists through these attributes going, this is my God. This is my God. And to her relative Elizabeth, she's making sure she understands that Elizabeth knows where Mary's heart is at. In spite of the circumstance, in spite of the news, in spite of how scary this may be for this young teenager, she has not lost sight of the awesomeness of God. And I think because of that, joy was able to come alive in her in this moment and in this circumstance. But at the same time, I believe joy comes alive in us when we have a humble view of ourselves. When we have a humble view of ourselves, I think these really go hand in hand, that, that we, we have a high view of God, but at the same time, we, we see ourselves how we really are, broken. Sometimes that's just kind of how that works. As we, as we spend more time in worship of God and His holiness, we see ourselves more, selves, see ourselves more clearly in our unholiness. But we all wrestle with pride, don't we? We're prideful people. We sometimes, we think of ourselves as being pretty awesome, right? American poet Robert Bly, he said this, uh, wrote this in a poem one time. I live very close to my greedy soul. When I see a book written 2,000 years ago, I check to see if my name is mentioned. <laughs> Did you hear the pride? The vanity? When there's a picture taken and you might be in the picture, whose face do you look for? We always want to go find ourselves. Where am I at? Oh, not in this one. That's our heart. That's our soul. That's where we're at. Mary could have said to her relative Elizabeth, well, God came to see me. I must be pretty great. But she didn't, did she? That's not how she described herself at all. Matter of fact, if you back up into the text, you go to verse 38, when she's having the encounter with the angel, listen to what Mary says here to the angel. Verse 30, 38, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. I am the servant of the Lord. I'm the slave, literally, of the, of the Lord. Whatever, in all humility, whatever he, whatever he wants of me. There's humility in that statement. I'm not sure that there's another place in Scripture where we see submission to God so clearly. Outside of maybe one, Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus about to go to the cross, pleading with his father, and he says, but not my will be done, 
but your will be done. Sounds an awful lot like his mom. Mary was humble. Verse 48, she says it this way. He paid attention to me in my humble state. Not God saw me in my greatness. No, 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 no. God saw me in my humble state. It was the humility of Mary that made her an acceptable candidate for God's great mission. It was her humility. Verse 49, he's done great things for me, she says to Elizabeth. Even in that little statement, there's humility. He's done these great things that I don't deserve. I don't deserve great. So she gives him praise. Do you struggle with pride? Andrew Murray, missionary and preacher back in the late 1800s, wrote this at one point about pride. He said, the truth is, the truth is this. Pride must die in you or nothing of heaven can live in you. Under the banner of the truth, give yourself up to the meek and humble spirit of the holy Jesus. Humility must sow the seed or there can be no reaping in heaven. Pride must die in you or nothing in heaven can live in you. Pride had died in Mary And that's the only way that the Savior was able to live inside of her. Mary had a high view of God. And in so doing, she had a very humble view of herself. And again, this made her a candidate to be a part of God's incredible plan. And I believe that's why we see joy come alive in her in this moment. Listen, listen. Mary was an unwed, pregnant, small-town teenager with this crazy story that God made her pregnant. You can imagine, again, how people might respond in her community, and she found a safe place here in Elizabeth. And we discover that her joy was was not in the circumstance. Her joy was not in her social status. Her joy was not in her economic status. Her joy was not found in her relationship with Joseph, who we're not sure what's going to happen yet. What's he going to do? But her joy was found in her lofty view of God, that he had historically been a great and wonderful and mighty God who had been faithful in the past and had worked a wonderful thing time and time again in the lives of his people. And now she's right in the middle of the story herself. Her joy was in knowing that God had made a promise many, 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 many years earlier to his people, and now she finds herself right in the middle of the promise being fulfilled. And her joy comes alive as she knows the Savior of the world is alive inside of her. Do you know that as followers of Jesus, inside of us is a promise? Inside of us is the promised Holy Spirit of God that has been given to every one of us. 
And it is from that Holy Spirit that is at work inside of us, making us new every day as he continues to grow us and build us up to be who he desires us to be. Every, every day that Holy Spirit is there. He is there at work. And he is striving to create joy inside of us if we'll just hold on to him and keep looking up to God. We have that promise inside of us to be able to share with the world like we see Mary sharing. She can't hold it in. And we have that inside of us. And so maybe a question we might ask today is this. What are you seeking after to provide joy in your life? What are you going after to, to provide you with joy? And there's such a long list that we could, we could go through right now. Jobs and money, possessions, relationships, families, kids. I mean, you, you uh, go down the list. Anything other than Jesus will come up far short. Anything other than Jesus will be very short-lived. Jesus, Jesus is the source of our joy. One of the parts I love about the story is, uh, is whenever Mary comes to Elizabeth and, and Elizabeth shares what happened whenever Mary comes into the house. Do you remember what happened in, in Mary's belly? <laughs> I love this part of the story. If you remember who's in Elizabeth's belly, it's John the Baptist, all right? who had been sent to, to prepare the way for Jesus. You remember that? And so he's six months old in, well, six months along in his development as a baby, you know. So he's there, all right? Not born yet. Oh, yeah, all right. We got that. Do we need anatomy lesson? Okay, anyway. So he's there. And when Mary comes in, Elizabeth says, the child of my stomach leaped for joy. I love that part. I mean, he's not even born yet, and he's leaping for joy because he knows Jesus, the Savior, just came in the room. He's, he, that's just part of his plan. That's what John's being born to do, is prepare the way to point to Jesus. And he's already doing it before he's ever born. Fast forward, John chapter 3. John the Baptist, the man. We go from John the Baptist, the baby, leaping for joy in mama's tomb, womb, tomb, not tomb, womb. Man, I've messed this up in both services. Anyway, you don't want to, anyway. But John, John chapter 3, John the Baptist, is, he's the man. And, and here's what's happening. The, his disciples have come to him because they see people beginning to follow Jesus. And they're like, hey, John, you know, this... People are following him, not you. What's going on? They're kind of confused. And here's what John says, verse 28, John chapter 3. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I've been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. The joy that started when I was in my mama's, my mama's womb. I said it again. The joy that started there is now complete here. Verse 30. Listen to this. He must increase. I must decrease. 
I must make much of him and I must make less of me. Sounds a lot like Mary, doesn't it? John the Baptist was able to have an incredible joy because he knew he was a part of the plan and he just kept making much of God, much of Jesus, and less of himself. He wasn't worried about his status. He just wanted to keep pointing people to Jesus. And he, just like Mary, had great joy. Are you surrendered to God's plan in your life, like Mary, like John, that whatever he calls you to, because you make much of him and you trust him, whatever he brings you to, you receive it with joy. He may be wanting to do something in you today. There's a lady here just recently. Her name was Jennifer Scott. She's from Canada. She, uh, she participated in the uh, One Nation, One Day missions trip that several of our people went on this past summer to Nicaragua. One Nation, One Day is an event that happens every year where missionaries really from around uh, all over, not just America, but many nations gathered in one country just to blow it up with the love of Jesus, basically. All right, just they're loving on people. There's medical missions and all kinds of different missions that are happening with it. And she was a part of that. And she uh, partner, was partnered up with some uh, from our own church who were there on the medical mission, uh, helping with part of a medical mission. And, and her eyes and her heart was opened up to what God was doing in an incredible way. Just to such an extent, God was working in her. And she came to a point to realize that she needed to take a next step in her faith and be baptized into Jesus. And so while there, uh, she wanted to do it there with all these new friends, people that she had met as part of the mission, but because of circumstances, they couldn't do it. So the plan was that she would come down here from Canada and be baptized. And so she did. She came down at Thanksgiving. And several of those people who were on that trip were there. And, a, and one of our life groups who were connected to them were there. And they all gathered right here on North Garnett campus, right over here in our baptistry. And she was baptized into Christ. I want you to see her picture when she came out of the water. Now, when I see that, what I see is joy coming alive as she has surrendered herself fully to Christ and what he's wanting to do in her life she can't contain it like Mary she wants to tell everybody about what Jesus does I, I love Nancy Eckerd right behind her she was the one that got to, to, to baptize her and I see joy in her face too <laughs> don't you She's excited because she sees one who's receiving this joy, receiving Christ. I want to be, I believe we're called to be a church that helps people find joy. That's only available in Jesus. That's the kind of people we're to be. And we can't share what we don't got. 
has joy come alive in you? Do you have the joy that only comes from Jesus? Do you have that in you? That no matter what circumstance comes your way, whether high or whether low, that joy is there and it sustains you. It's that joy that Nehemiah talked about over in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, whenever he's telling the people then that are discouraged, he says, whoa, 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 whoa. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He didn't say, hey, just be happy. It'll all be okay. No, 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 no. The joy is our strength. It's what we hold on to. It's that joy that just keeps welling up from the Holy Spirit that's in us. It says, it doesn't matter what Satan throws my way. It doesn't matter what circumstances I face. I've got Jesus, and my God is great, and He is faithful, and I am humbled in His presence. I've got the joy of the Lord. Do you have that in you? Are you surrendered to Him? Joy, joy comes, in, comes alive in a life that is surrendered to Jesus. Are you surrendered to Him? Father in heaven, help us to be surrendered to you. God, help us to, to see you and your magnificence and to really see the reality of where we are in our brokenness. That God, that you would be willing to, to come here and to send your son to do what he did on the cross and rise, and that we might have life and life abundant, and we can have this joy, this unceasing joy that sustains us through this life until one day we step into ultimate joy in your presence in heaven. God, we thank you. God, help us to hold on to that now. And God, if there's any here today who don't know it, help them find it today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.